Hey, one fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live, and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon. This is the Art of Network Engineering Podcast. In this podcast, we explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring you information that will expand your skill sets and toolbox and share the stories of fellow network engineers. Welcome to the Art of Network Engineering podcast. My name is Andy Lapteff. I am at Andy Lapteff on Twitter. And if Twitter goes away tomorrow, you can find me at permitipandyandy.com. Joined tonight is one of my favorite humans in networking and maybe beyond, Lexi Cooper. How you doing, Lex? Oh, that was so sweet, Andy. You were just shit-talking me like three seconds ago, so <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Damn. I'm doing I'm doing good. I got my ass kicked today by knowledge, so I'm a little like mentally tired. But other than that, I mean it's the good kind of tired, right? So, so you work in tech just another day, right? <laughs> yes, basically. Yeah. What about you, Andy? How was your day? Uh you know, I think it was good. Um I wanna tell you that uh my son just entered his first science fair. He is in second grade and he wanted to learn about rockets. And I thought, oh, I can't wait to tell Lexi. So, yeah. <laughs> That's it's like, awesome. How do rockets work, Daddy? Right. I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut, and that didn't work out. So there's hope for the next generation. Well, of what is he? Is there something specific he wants to learn about rockets? Or is he just like all over anything about So he rockets? was just like, so he's interested in flight in general. And then when we mm-hmm. started talking about it, he's like, well, how do rockets work? And we, you know, we Googled it and YouTubed and just... Like anything, there's they so many cool resources to learn explode until stuff. they go up. That's right. how I explain it. <laughs> yeah. So so what we did, very briefly, is there's a two-liter soda bottle uh, experiment you can do. Um, yeah. You know, water's the fuel. The compressed air is the, you know, uh, kinetic energy that's going to push out the water. We put some fins on it. We put a ballast on the top to make it... Uh, and it was fantastic, man. It's, it's so yeah. I, I couldn't wait to tell you that we're oh, making rockets so and launching awesome. them at, at our house. How, so that, like, that so cool. far up did it go? There's like a forty foot oak tree out front, and I think uh-huh. it went like as high as the tree. So the first one we did vertical, and then I was reading that you're supposed to do a forty five degree angle for like distance. So then we started going across the lawn, but it went further than I thought it would. And then we did a bunch of experiments with more water, less water. Um, you know, there's a cork in there that until the pressure builds. What I found out was that the less water I used, the further it went, which I thought was kind of counterintuitive. I that guess is interesting. Okay. Yeah. So if I was like smarter, I'd probably go into rocket science, but I know that's beyond me. So here we are. It's all um, a matter of just studying the right thing, Andy, as I have learned. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I want to mention before we get to our awesome guest tonight um, is uh, Tom Hollingsworth of NFD fame and Gestalt IT. Uh, gave us an awesome shout out on his blog today um, about the Mike Bouchang episode that came out not too long ago around, around leadership and just how it really resonated with him and how um, it kind of solidified some of the concepts that, you know, he knows and practices. But so I just, you know, it was just very kind. Tom didn't have to do that, right? Like you Thanks, could like Tom. an episode and not put it out there publicly. So uh, I just wanted to give Tom a shout out and thank him. 
for that. And being Mike's my boss, it's just a good thing. Like, hey, Mike, you came on the show and Tom liked it. So <laughs> please like me. <laughs> you heard it here first, episode. Mike. Oh. Oh, you heard really that one, good. Jason? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. great job on that. Oh, it, thanks, man. It was. Well, that, that was all Mike. So the voice that you're hearing from the ether is our guest tonight, Jason Ginter. Am I saying it right, Jason? You got it. Should I call you Jay or Jason? Either one works for me. <laughs> okay. After so this that, episode, we'll be going. calling him Jay. That's cool. my, I'm down. My first interview with Mike Bouchong, I called him Michael for an hour, and it, he waited till the end of it to say, next time you can just call me Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Good Crap. place to start then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, AJ Murray uh, knows of you, and you're involved with um, – USNUA, which bought some time on our show. So thank you for that. So why don't we just start from the beginning? Who are you? What do you do? Where do you work? And uh, we'll, we'll kind of dig in. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Like I said, I, I listened to that Bashong show is awesome. I've, and I've listened to quite a few of your shows. You guys do do a great job. So I'm really honored to be on. Thank you. Um, so, yep. Jason Ginnert, I do a number of things in my day job. I, uh, CTO of a company called Wind Dynamics. We do managed and professional services, uh, primarily, uh, well, we started out doing SD-WAN, but it pivoted into, uh, data center, uh, deployments, designs, a lot of cloud networking, um, and just, uh, general networking stuff. Um, also, uh, as you mentioned, volunteer for uh, USNUA, which is the United States uh, Networking User Association, and um, we can talk more about that. But it's it's basically a um, uh, number of chapters that we call NUGS, network user groups, uh, that are inclusive under the umbrella. But you know, we get network engineers together um, to drink beer, talk about networking. Um, and, and have fun. So, um, you know, if anybody wants to check it out, usnua.com. Um, and I'm also a volunteer at the Ohio Internet Exchange. So um, uh, it's Ohio's largest internet exchange, nonprofit, volunteer-led. Um, yeah, so keep myself pretty Jason, busy. Jason, I did not ever realize that there were nonprofit internet exchanges. I find that really interesting. Um what what brought you to a nonprofit internet exchange? Why why provide those services in that way? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, I'm in Ohio, um, actually out of Cleveland, Ohio. But Ohio has this an issue with internet connectivity in that you know if you do like a, like a trace route between networks, even in Ohio, you end up usually having to um, take transit back to Chicago or, or Washington D.C. Which you know we we've showed examples of trace routes like trace routing from Toledo back to Toledo, and it'll go like Chicago to Toronto, then back to Cleveland. It's just the securest <laughs> route, like you know it goes all over the it bounces around all over the internet. So um, I, I actually got involved back in 2016, and you know due to due to life had to take a break from it, but got got involved again in, in 2020 because. Uh, had a lot more time on my hands with, with COVID and all that. So, um, uh, you know, really the goal is to, to keep traffic local, you know, in the state of Ohio, us being the Ohio IX. So, um, you know, we do things like uh, get service providers interconnected across our, our fabric, uh, content, content distribution networks like, um, you know, Akamai or Fastly or Cloudflare 
the guys that are serving up most of the things that we look at on the internet every day, getting them interconnected right in the heart of Ohio. So our, our main pops in, in Columbus. And really, an IX is just a big switch. That's all it is. And then we allow um, the members to peer with one another across that, that switching fabric. Um, we also provide um, what are called route servers. So there's two types of uh, interconnection on an IX. There's multilateral and bilateral. Multilateral is you just establish a BGP session to the route servers, and then everybody else who connects to those route servers, you, you can get to. Um, then bilateral peering is when they want to peer one-to-one. One. So if, say, for example, we've got to have Amazon on, on the fabric. Uh, I mean, if you want to establish a, a peering relationship with Amazon, you just you know send a uh, a note to their peering department, and then you you you, uh, you exchange routes and you get peering directly with their network. So really, you know, the goal is to again keep that that traffic local in Ohio, give uh, Ohioans uh, access, better access to content, internet content in general, faster access because um, you know I'll, there's just like I said there it, it, there's. Most of the ways that you get there from here is super inefficient. So. That's so That's interesting how inefficient it is. I never realized that. And I'm, I'm seeing, you know, some comments in the chat even about the Midwest being a bit of a mess when it comes to Internet connectivity. Well, I had no the idea. The Wild West anyway. Like it's, it's so so I'm not surprised to hear that it's that, that the routing is inefficient. Right. Because the Internet's crazy town as far as I know. But. And yeah, I, pretty much true, dude. You you talk but for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, so so here's the question I have: Is why do you want to keep traffic local to Ohio? I think you I think you answered it in 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 your explanation, which was speed. Is that why it's a problem to like go somewhere else, hairpin, come back? Latency, yeah. Uh, it all comes down to higher latency. Uh, you know, the the longer the round trip time to get that that to that data and get it back to you. Um, you know, it, it impacts access to that. And, you know, there's also um, a, a great deal of reliance on these, you know, central points. So, you know, be, most of, um, most people peer through Equinix in Chicago and Equinix in, in Washington, D.C., Ashburn, Virginia. Um, so, you know, you're, you, there's just a high density there. And so when there's, there's outages or there's things that, that are affected in those regions, it could take out huge swaths of internet access. So it, that's another thing is, is providing additional redundancy by keeping, you know, allowing those, those, uh, networks to peer locally versus having to go all the way up to those, those central points. Um, mm. So yeah, that. But the, you're right. Latency is the a key factor, um, and lowering the latency where you can um, improves performance to, you know, internet applications. That access is is a paid for service, right? If you want to cross connect to other ASNs, where I'm going with this is my understanding. Like when I worked at an ISP, I believe people either paid each other or had some kind of agreement about connecting ASs to each other. But because this is a nonprofit, I'm just curious the dynamic between like, are these free? Anybody could just come in and here's my fiber and put me on the Internet for free. Or there's lots pay? of different models, um, okay. you know, and the, com- the commercial um, IX is obviously they, they they're out to make money. So they're 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 charging usually monthly for you know, getting access to the exchange. But there's infrastructure to maintain, too. Right. Like, I mean, how there are you guys keeping is, it yeah. running without charging? Right. We That's are. We charge. We we charge an annual fee. Um. So for you know to connect it with a ten gig port, it's a thousand bucks a year. Uh, if you want to connect at a hundred gigs, it's it's twenty five hundred bucks a year. And then that's cheap, really just right? 
it's pretty inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. And then that's just right. really to keep the lights on. You know, that's that's to pay for, you know, we've got Arista and Juniper switches we have to pay for support on. We've got, um, you know, we have to buy optics whenever uh, you know, new members join. Um, we actually run our route servers on uh, VMware hosts because the, the route servers are actually just Linux boxes running uh, the Bird uh, BGP daemon. So, um, you know, we have to keep all that stuff up and running, but the, you know, the people that, that do all the work, they're all volunteers. So none of us get paid to do any of this stuff. It's just, you know, uh, for the, for the love of doing it. So that's awesome. Uh, can we, can we take cause. a quick step back? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A noble cause. Um, so, so we got right into it, but I guess just to take a step back for someone who might not be familiar with this or have done it, you explained it really well, but, um, why, so why, why does somebody need to connect to your internet exchange, right? So am I a company that wants to advertise my routes from my data center out and this is a connection into the internet or it's because I'm a local Ohio business and I want to like, you know, I'm, I'm brand new. I'm studying for my CCNA and you're like, Hey, there's, you know, this thing called the internet exchange. Okay. Well, I've learned about BGP. I use the internet, but what, 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 who is connecting at this exchange? Just all the businesses, Microsoft to Apple to level three is, is just this the physical cross connects of the internet in Ohio locally. Is that what this internet exchange actually is like very high level, super simple explanation? Yeah. So from a high level, you, in order to join the exchange, you need to have your own autonomous system number and your own, your right. own address space direct from, from here. Yeah. Aaron address um, space and yeah, you have your ASN and you're right. You're up and running. Yeah. So and the then, reason you have that is because you want to advertise your, you know, addresses out to the internet because you have services tied to them. Right. So you're doing something with that. Exactly. Usually yeah. you're multi-homed and you have multiple service providers coming in uh, or you're a content provider. I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the members that we have are, are, I mentioned Cloudflare, Fastly, uh, Akamai. I mean, they're, they're delivering content to users so, um, you know, their aim is to get closer to those users. So we've got a mix of service providers um, and a lot of them are regional ISPs like WISPs um, and, you know, regional fiber providers. Um, we've got the content providers that are trying to get content to those users that are on those those networks. And then um, and then we have some enterprises. So there are some enterprise clients that. You know, Amazon's a good example. If you have services on AWS, and and we have, um, you know, an AWS uh, region here, so US East Two is actually in Columbus. So in order to get closer to that, you can, you know, join the exchange directly peer with Amazon, and you're four milliseconds of latency away from Amazon's network. So um, for that, for them, the enterprise users to, re- you know, reduce that latency, and make uh, user performance on their network better. Um, you know, that just shaving that off, you know, you, you, it would probably be around 50, 60 milliseconds typically to get to those types of services to bring it down to single digits to be significant. Here's the last question I have, cause I don't want to beat it up too bad, but, um, at my last job, we had, you know, we had circuits with telcos. So our data centers would connect to, I don't know, pick one Verizon. And there was a circuit that connected to their internet router. We would peer with them and advertise our stuff out, you know, publicly. And then you could check the looking glasses to see that it got to other places. That's not an internet exchange, right? That's just a connection to telco 
So Verizon would then somewhere have a physical connection to an internet exchange in my city, right? Like you, you can peer with telco and peer up your BGP and advertise your prefixes without being in an internet exchange. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, you definitely can. And usually that that's, you know, what's known as IP transit it's typically costs yeah. money and you're paying, you're usually paying a service provider per megabit per second, you yep. know, for it. Yep. But in our case, you're, you're paying, you know, an annual fee and it's all you can eat. Like we mm. don't, you know, fill your port, peg it out all day if you want to. It's, you know, uh, it's mm. up to you. So um, from a cost perspective, you, you greatly reduce the cost of things you can get to. Now it's limited. It's only going to be the other members on the exchange. It's not like you have a full internet feed on our exchange. Um, you're going to be able to connect to the other members, but you're still going to need to get that IP transit to get to everything else. So you'll still need to pop, pay for IP from a, from a service provider. What we're really doing is facilitating interconnection between all of our members. It's awesome. awesome. And the fact that you guys volunteer is, is really amazing. Like that's, is the whole organization volunteer? Like it's just, yes, everybody's yep. wow. Yeah. There's, that's there's people from, yeah. From, <laughs> do you love it, tech? <laughs> do it for free. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's, yeah, it's pretty fun. It, it's, um, you know, we've got people from, from vendors like AdTran on, on the board. Um, CoLogics, actually we, we're hosted in a CoLogics data center and, uh, we've got folks from CoLogics on the board. So it's just a, yeah, a number of, um, technologists in the region that want to do good for, for this area, make internet connectivity better. And there's other examples of, of IXs like this. So, you know, in Seattle, there's six, the, um, that's the Seattle internet exchange. Um, that's actually one, one of the oldest ones in the U S they've been around since like the late nineties. I want to say like 97 or something like that. I wonder if they need so volunteers, Lexi. I am a bad uh, Seattleite. I didn't know about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what it's do you a, do a, as a volunteer actually at, at a nonprofit IX? Like what, what kind of, what could I, I guess I could contribute, you know, to one of these places? Uh, it depends. They're, we're all a little different. In our case, it's, um, it's things like helping provision new members. So, you know, we'll get, get a cross connect in. Can you help program the port? Get um, you know, get all of their information entered into uh, most. Sounds IXs like a good use, learning opportunity, actually. Definitely is, and for those you know in in certain regions that are interested in in really seeing how the internet works and being involved in this sort of thing, as far as peering goes, because um, there's a whole community around peering, um, not just in IXs, but um, you know the guys who are responsible for managing the edge of um, content networks. They, they specialize in this sort of thing. So you really get to see how the internet works when you get in, involved in the peering community. Actually sounds really dope. I'm you, not going to You just lie. got my brain firing. Time. So we have a lot of folks, we, we've harped a lot over the years of, it's so hard to get that first job. You know, you, you want to get into networking and tell you get a certification and you do, and, and, and how do you yeah. do that? And so where I'm going with this, you know, where I'm going with this, Lex, is... If someone's studying for the CCNA, let's say, as an example, or they just got it and they're interviewing and people are blowing them off and you don't have any experience, I mean, would they be valid entrants for, should, should they look for their local, you know, internet exchanges and maybe see if they're looking for volunteers? Because it sounds like a phenomenal way to get hands on if, if. Would you take someone with a CCNA and no experience in prod to help? I would. I mean, I, I certainly right. would. It, you know, typically the, the volunteers are, um, part of the member organization. So they usually work for them or, you know, are somehow involved, but um, we're always looking for extra hands because it being volunteer, 
you know, people come and go because uh, people get excited about it for a little while, help out, and mm-hmm. then eh, they're on to the next thing, you know, because there's no real, I mean, it is, a, like you said, it's a great learning experience, but, you know, um, it is it is kind of a revolving door as far as the people that, that are volunteering to assist on the, on the technical committee. But it, it is a great way to get experience and learn more about BGP. And you know what? The other thing is there's a lot of good mentors on these teams, too. There's So, you know, in addition to myself, there's a bunch of people that work for service providers, uh, municipal service providers, Internet service providers like a, your nutritional carrier or telco um, that volunteer. And you were always, you know, looking to, to help skill up. Uh, yeah, a new engineer, teach them new things, teach them how BGP That's works and awesome. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we're gonna have to I, I, scream that from the mountains when we when we release yeah. this, right, Lex? Because that's good, that's good. a new that's one I haven't heard before. I yeah. haven't either. This is awesome. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for human networking as well. <laughs> Shit. Definitely is. Yeah, and that's okay, that's man. another thing. I mean, we, we usually do mixers where we get together socially and oh, it, yeah. it's a great okay. great way to meet, you know, meet the people in the community if you're interested in peering and, and that sort of thing. Well, thanks for telling me about six. I am definitely going to check that out. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for cussing. Um, This would be a good segue. I have a stress (laughs) ball that I squeeze all day and it's full of water and it just exploded all over the place. So I I apologize for the S word. Nah, we're good. We're going to keep going. But we got these for Christmas and my kids blew theirs both up in the first day. Mine took about a week. So... If you're watching YouTube and you see this stress ball, don't get it because they explode very easily. I just made a mess here. <laughs> um, so, you know, I pivot a little bit, uh, but to a similar thing, volunteering. So the USNUA, Networking you know, User Association, you, you gave a brief description. And, and the question I wrote down as you were talking is, you know, how did that start? I mean, did, did, were you a network engineer or like you wanted to get in and there was no community around you and... and you got involved like you nailed it yeah so you know it was okay it was us you know a bunch of uh, network engineers hanging out having a beer and uh, talking about vmug which is the vmware user group and then lug which is the linux user group and and we you know asked ourselves like why why doesn't networking have why don't we have a user group so we started this group the ohio networking user group that was the first one um and we've been running the um, Onug since about 2017, so just a you know a little over five years old now. Um, Ohio it. was the first one. That's where you're the, from. That was the first one. Okay, yeah. so that's where Onug, from. gotcha. Onug, okay. see it on your shirt is another experience, right? Because oh, okay. like you can hear this on the podcast, but seeing it yeah. on the shirt, it's so good because cool it's shirt. O in parentheses and then it's N U G, so it's O Nug. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. You got it. Yeah, and we uh-huh. we wanted to make sure like it, it wasn't like. Because there's another Onug, the one that, went, you know, in New York, just just the letter O. So we kind of want to differentiate it. Oh, so this is like, yeah. as part of branding, you know, each state, you know, is in, in parentheses. Yeah, so a, we've got Innug right. and Minug. And, so you didn't hear from the, the legal department at Onug in New York that you can't use their name? Not yet. We have been flying <laughs> Hopefully they the don't hear so. this. And, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> hopefully this show isn't the reason they come and get you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. So, that, but, so uh, that's so cool. I, you know, we, we've heard that a couple of times over the years. I mean, I mean, just this very podcast was just created by some people who needed a study group and didn't really feel like they had the community necessarily locally to do it. Not that we were local to each other, but kind of found each other online, started studying and, you know, it, it became a podcast, but I, I love those stories of people filling a gap, you know, starting, starting a community if they didn't have one, or maybe, especially, you know, maybe you're a certain 
type of person and you don't have a group like you and like, you know what, we should have a whatever, you know, group. And that's, that's really cool. So that was 2017. Is that when you guys started up? Yeah, I think right around then. Um, so our first meeting was like 15 people. It was just, you mm. know, the people we knew and we hung out, had some beers and, uh, I think that was just speakers. So we try to keep keep them, um, uh, vendor neutral, so no yeah. specific vendor pitches like, you know, and, and there are vendor sponsors, but we make it very clear. This is not you're not coming in to sell your your solution to somebody. Um, the presenters are presenting general network technologies. So we've had people prevent, present on like EVPN and VXLAN and multicast and, you know, just talk about the technology and, and answer any questions excited? that people that pe- people have. <laughs> So you got a presentation and then we usually cap it with a, with like a panel discussion, which is just like, you know, we ask, what are the things that are challenging you in, in your day-to-day duties? You know, like what, what, what kind of things are you encountering and, 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 you know, the frustrations you have, ways you're solving problems. Um, and it's good format. Um, just, you know, usually this, those two, just a presentation and a panel discussion and then in between, you know, we leave, you know, time at the beginning, middle and end for, for, you know, network engineers to talk and meet each other. So we started off at that first event with 15 and our biggest one in Cleveland. We had um, right before COVID, of course, like I think it was fall of, of 2019, we had about 120 people at, the, wow. at our lar- largest wow. event. So, Fantastic. and we've got people coming up from all over the, the guys from, you know, Kroger would drive up from Cincinnati to Cleveland to come to the events. And it, it became, came fun to see, you know, see the same faces at all these events when you'd be popping out to them. So do you have uh, like formal membership for the USNUA or is it just like a come and join us as we present every so often? Yeah, it's you, you we do have, if you go to the USNUA.com page, you can sign up for updates uh, on the page. So we'll notify you when when events are are coming up, and um, um, we've got I think it's thirteen chapters now. Um, so and I think we've got slated another four or five that we're adding here pretty soon in the first quarter. Um, and um, you know we send out those updates, let you know when one's coming. Typically, like in, in the state of Ohio, we rotate through four, four cities: Cleveland, Columbus, uh, Cincinnati, and Toledo. Every quarter, we'll do a different one. Uh, but they're open to anyone who wants to come. No cost. Just show up, um, hang out with with your buds, and the, the the beer and the food's free. Love it. Really, very accessible. Wow. Sounds how, great. Um, how many areas are you in? States? I don't, I don't know how you measure your. Are you guys all over the place? Like, if I come to Ohio, can I just drop in? I know you said before the show there wasn't one in PA. I'm going to California next month. Is there one there? Like, could I just hop into a meeting, or how does it work? Yep, you just just pop in if there's if there's one uh, you know available near you. Um, we've got Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, North Carolina, Colorado. Uh, Georgia, wow. the list goes on. You can check out check it out on the site. That's awesome. Um, and um, the each group, each nug is run by a local team. So you know there'll be a local set of of folks that that run the events. We do all the enablement. So we we print the shirts like these. Um, we print the stickers. We um, send an uh, like an event kit which has all the questions to ask for the panel and. 
all of that stuff. When we rotate that stuff, you know, every quarter we'll we'll mix up those questions for for the panel discussion. But we work with the local teams. We've we've got actually this year, starting this year, we've got a dedicated employee who's just going to run these events. Last year we did forty of them, and it just was it was again just just working on the side as volunteers to make that happen. Forty events is a lot to pull off. So this year we're shooting for sixty events, but we'll have someone uh, full time dedicated to it. Cool. Somebody in the chat chat asked um, what the reason was, if if there was like a specific reason for, you know, network user group in the name versus network operators group. Um, That is a great question. Is there any particular? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was intentional. So network operator groups usually attract network operators. So those content providers, ISPs, and the folks that we talked about before, they are usually the ones that show up for NOGs. This, we, we kind of, it kind of has more of an enterprise focus than, than, than that. Okay. Um, so most of the folks that show up to our events are our enterprise network engineers that are working on data center technologies, campus technologies, WAN technologies, um, guys that are, that are, are doing the guys and gals that, that are doing the, the day-to-day on those, uh, uh, on those sorts of networks versus, say, a, you know, a service provider network where you're doing, like, IPM PLS and, and a lot of NOGs like ShineNOG and then there's NYNOG um, and, and a few others that, you know, like I said, I, I find that the discussions are, are solving big problems for like cloud scalers and in very, very large networks. And I think that, that it's a little bit over the heads of most, you know, enterprise engineers and, and not really the problems they're trying to solve. So NUG is a li- positioned a little bit differently than, than uh, you know, a NOG. That's a great explanation. That makes a lot of sense. I I can understand. I didn't know about network operators group, so I'm learning a lot today. Thanks. <laughs> sure. I have a yeah, random they, question. I was just yeah, stalking shoot. your. Um, so I, I guess you're attending NFD next week. That's an CFD. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CFD. CFD rather. Mm-hmm. There it is. So I was just looking at your bio. Are you a drummer? I am. Yes. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, Andy. I love the drums. Do you? Lex Le- yeah, Lexi what? got to watch me play I, little drums in Asheville I have at our a event video. last year. Nice. Yes, I have a video of Andy just going nuts on the drums at like a guitar center we were at trying to find a cable. <laughs> we were trying to find this or like a specific adapter for, for mic stuff and, and we're all in there and then I look back and like Andy's just going nuts on the drums back there. Like, so funny. Yeah, I need to find that video. Post that to Twitter. Tell tell me about music, Jason. Is it a hobby of yours, love of yours? You've just, is that, you know, it's something, we don't really have a format, right? But I'm just thinking as we're talking, like, um, you know, we talk about self-care, right, on the show and how stressful the job can be. And a lot of what you hear is like, well, these are the things I do for myself to, you know, dispel some of that stress, right? Like, I don't know if you're on call for the internet exchange. I don't know if it breaks. I mean, I know you have a day job too, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, I feel like anybody in tech, You're there's a busy guy. Jason. He is a busy guy. Um, You're, so you, you, know, you got a lot going on. I'm sure there's some stress CCO, in there. Yeah. And I definitely want to get into your, you, you know, your business and SD-WAN and all that fun stuff. But, um, you know, how do you balance it? What does self-care look like for you? How, how do you take care of yourself, your mental health, um, you know, in a stressful tech world? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, drums is definitely an important part of it. I've been playing drums since I was, 
just probably just out of high school. And and mm-hmm. a lot of that's not, I have no, I have no formal training. It's just playing in like punk rock bands and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I still carry on, you know, I guess like I did when I was, <laughs> I was that age, I still like to skateboard. I still b- play drums with, you know, my my uh my shithead buddies drink beer. Um that's <laughs> that's definitely the, my self care routine. Um yeah. but yeah, I you mean have a kid at home? I have two kids. Uh one of them's no, not kid. at home anymore. Sorry. Oh kid, kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I I have uh I have a um what did I just get a Tama Imperial Star kit at home. Nice. My wife would kick me out of the house if I Brought a drum kit in this house. I've been looking at the electronic ones because I think she'll, you know, I can put the headphones on and she won't be like, what? Andy, my partner has an electronic one and it is, it's, it's loud, but it is not like drum kit. You know, like it's, Ah, it's tolerable for sure. Yeah. 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 He, he enjoys it a lot. So every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while I come home and I hear like vague banging from like the third floor, and I know okay, Rick's on the drums. <laughs> so I just had a sound just, like that rub, like that the, the, yeah. hitting the rubber. Yeah, it's like rubber. rubber, rubber yeah, like, really yeah. hard hitting on rubber. <laughs> I much you hear prefer those the guitar analog. Too. Right, I, I much prefer the real. You know, I, I, I want to feel. Sure. I want to feel the kick drum in my kidneys. You know, <laughs> I just I just flash back, and then we'll get off of music. But I just flash back. I was like. I was 16 or 17 and me and my buddy, like I'm a kid of the nineties and Nirvana was happening and I was awful at guitar, but I could play really loud and play some power chords. So, you know, we were all about it. And my buddy had an old Rogers drum kit that was huge and loud. And I, I, one day I brought his kit into my little bedroom. It was literally a closet and set it up in the corner, moved the bed out into the hallway. So I start playing and I'm, you know, Five minutes in, my stepdad comes. He wasn't home. He was at work. I guess he came home. I'm trying to imagine now I'm a parent, what it must have sounded like to get out of his car on the street and go, what the hell is that noise? And then the closer you get to your house, realize it's coming from your house, and then go inside and see your moronic 16-year-old stepson like, Andy, it's easy for you to find out exactly how that feels. Just give one of your kids or both of them. There you go. Give them a kit. Easy. Yeah, I I have to. Okay, so um, I'm interested in SD-WAN, Lex. I don't know if there's anything that you want to jump on. I am too. I know almost nothing about SD-WAN, so I think we should definitely talk about that. I've seen it at jobs. I wasn't responsible for it. Um, I don't think we've ever done. It's one of those buzzwords that I hear and yeah. I and I think yes, that is a networking thing. Now and, and it's just out there. We've never really, I think, brought it up as a topic on the show. I think somebody did a blog post once or twice about it. But I'll just level set for my own. You know where I'm coming from is I'm a WAN network person, right? I don't know much about the LAN. I'm just learning fabric stuff now. But I was. Hearing routers, you know, out multiple services to the world, uh, you know, DMVPN, IPsec, you know, MPLS, get VPN, like, you know, you name it, it didn't matter. And my services were how people got in and out of our data centers and, and into our services. And the way where I'm going with this is I believe SD-WAN is a more intelligent way to route traffic based on a bunch of cool stuff. But what we did, all we could do 
in the old school non-SD WAN is, you know, we would set routing metrics. So like I'd have an A and a B side router at the edge and the A would be primary, say AT&T, the B would be primary Verizon. And we would control traffic in and out with route maps and redistribution and all kinds of fun tagging and stuff so that, you know, this one's primary, this one's secondary. I want some traffic here, some traffic there. I don't know if it'd be considered traffic engineering, but that was pretty much it. We had, you know, we had two lanes in and out and I could tell it where I wanted traffic. And if A failed, it would go to B. That was, I was pretty gonna much say, it. That sounds like traffic engineering to me. But well, well, right. Well, but, yeah. but then I saw SD-WAN later. They brought SD-WAN in and for an edge client. So, so here's where I'm going, Jason. Then I'll shut up and, you, and you're going to school us, which is going to be great. But so that was in the data center. But like, let's say for a bank that was utilizing our services, they'd have two routers. One primary be MPLS and all the traffic go over MPLS. The internet router and the internet circuit would sit fat, dumb, and happy forever <laughs> because unless the MPLS went down, it would never, ever use the internet. My understanding is in comes SD-WAN like, yo, pal, how about we use that B-side? How about we utilize that internet circuit, that internet router? How about we... so? You know, Jason, that's kind of my dumb WAN, what I think SD-WAN might do. So just walk us down the path of like, you know, what's SD-WAN? Why do we need it? Why is it awesome? H- how did you get involved in it? Um, yeah, I'll shut yeah. up. Yeah, no, happy <laughs> to. I mean, maybe a good place to start is how I got involved in it. I worked for an internet service provider at the time, and I was slinging MPLS. Um, that was, you know, our bread and butter. We sold a lot of MPLS and integrated voice with that, you know, doing SIP over MPLS. And and then I encountered, and this was probably about like 2014, 2015. Um, I ran into a customer saying, we're looking at SD-WAN. I'm like, what the hell is SD-WAN? I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, whatever. This, there's, it's probably just some gimmick that, you know, whatever, you know, like a internet failover sort of thing. And then the the deeper I started to dive into it, I think it was Ariaka's solution that I looked at at the time. I was like, "Holy shit, this is pretty cool!" And I remember like being a sales engineer and telling my my um, my sales guy, he's like, "We got this right. We, we can poke holes in this. This is just just some you know BS thing that um, doesn't really compete with our enterprise grade MPLS." I'm like, "No, this is actually way better than our MPLS. I, this is a problem, you know, guys. <laughs> this is this is really interesting." So. Started to do a deep dive into it and looked at all the, there was a lot of, that's kind of like the inflection point for SD-WAN was right around that time. Like 2015, it's just like, they started coming out of the woodwork, like I think right around them, like Bello Cloud was founded, Viptela was founded. I mean, all the, the, the big names we know today were just getting off the ground. And we started looking at those those options, and then the company that I was working for at the time got acquired. And and I, I talked to that new company about, I'm like, you should check this SD WAN stuff out. And they're like, yeah, well, we think it's a bunch of BS. We think it's a gimmick. You know, same thing. We're we're, we're making loads of money off MPLS. Why would we do that? I'm like, all right, hold well. on. Can we pause there for a second? Just sure. the the problem, and then we're gonna get right off it. But the the, the problem in technology over the years, like. I remember like I was just reading something like how BlackBerry just disappeared because they were so tied to like, well, this is the thing and everybody's going to want this and they're always, they're never going to type on it like a a glass screen. Like they just refused. Oh, I know what it is. I'm I'm reading this book, Think Again. And Yvonne Chart recommended it to me. It's amazing. And it's about questioning your assumptions and everything and how it's integral to evolving and continuing to grow and, you know, succeed. And that's just a perfect example. Like these people are like, ah, 
you know, MPLS is great. People love spending six grand a month on a circuit. Like you shut up. Right. And that was a mistake. Right? Like they were it wrong. Yeah, yeah. What they stood by is like, Oh, you're not going to run voice over that, that SD WAN. You, you need an MPLS network to run voice. You know, that the, we're talking about the business, business critical applications and running them over MPLS because you know what? MPLS was but a lot better than You can carry quads over MPLS, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can, you yeah. can carry the class service or whatever it is. I mean, that, that's, that was the whole thing with MPLS. You got it. You got it. Yeah. So, you know, I think they got a big head about it. A lot of the, the, the carriers did, and they really didn't. They kind of got, it came out of left field, SD WAN did for mm-hmm. them. Um, but I remember getting interested in it, and then you know, um, a friend of mine who we we've worked together. This is the fourth time we've worked together. He hired me as a dial-up tech support guy in '99, and we've just kind of bounced back and forth to different companies together. And he said, "Why don't we just do our own thing? This if this SD WAN thing is going to be so cool, let's just do it ourselves." So we we founded uh, WAN Dynamics, and we do you know we started off doing managed SD WAN. I mean, it's a slow start. I mean, it took a little while for it to catch on, but you know, so you founded an SD WAN company. That's that's WAN Dynamics, right? That's right. Yeah, we we don't okay, make now, now. the hardware, the software. We we sell other people's solutions, but we we provide a managed service around it. Gotcha. And that was right when it was like lighting up, like 2015 ish. Yep, you Is got that, it. 2016, okay. we started. Actually, it was February of 2016. We're coming up on so seven years. What? What made you, I mean, it's just because you're an engineer and you looked at it and saw, oh yeah, this actually works. But what, you know, what convinced you when the MPLS gods were like, this is dumb, it's a fad? Like, how did you know they were wrong? What what grabbed you about it? When I had a VeloCloud Edge, and that was the, you know, that's the platform we work with the most. And I plugged in and, you know, uh, two circuits, an internet circuit, and I think I had like a 4G circuit. And I just yanked out the internet and I lost like a ping or two and it came right back up. I was like, mm. wait a minute, wait a minute. Like it took <laughs> no time for this to reconverge. That that I've never seen that before. And then yeah. that just kind of blew my mind when I saw that. And I realized at the time, like this was really going to change how winds operate. The other thing that I was able to do is, you know, you talked about how you had a single path you could choose from. Uh, most of the time, you'd have you, your routes would go over MPLS, and then you might have a tunnel going over an internet connection to you know as a backup. With SD WAN, you can take different types of traffic and split them out. So you can say my private traffic, I want it to go to the MPLS internet, just dump it out here, and it can determine between the two. And you can do it by application too. So you can say you know web traffic destined to the internet, punt that out the internet interface, you know directly connected internet interface. Uh, this private traffic, my voice traffic that goes back to my call manager, send that down, you know, the MPLS network. So yeah, I couldn't do even, that in my ASRs. Like, you know I mean, I, I, I couldn't say, ah, this, you know, this internet traffic here, send over here, and this other stuff. It was just like, if you're connected, you know, if you're connected to AT and T, go that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, you know, also that the, the a big big facet of it is being able to correct problems on the fly. So let's say you got packet loss on a path. Right. Um, it'll turn on things like forward error correction and jitter buffering. So forward error correction is um, if it de- de- detects packet loss on a path, it'll start sending two copies of the traffic to you know overcome that. So if you've got like a- Out a, both paths, both. you mean? Uh, it could be out or, both paths. It could be over a single path. Over a single path, sending two copies of, let's say it's a phone call and it's the RTP from- from uh, it's the media they're actually going from a handset to another handset or a voice switch. It'll start sending two copies across the same link. 
So you've got a greater chance of it getting there. I mean, at a certain huh. point, the packet, if the packet loss is too bad, it's not going to be over, overcome it. But for like, you know, upwards of like eight to 10% packet loss, you could, you could overcome huh. it. And isn't it is also the part of the, go ahead, Doc, sorry. Just a random question related to forward error correction, because I don't know a whole lot about that, but is that the same kind of like FEC fact errors that you'll see on an interface when you're looking at counters or is that something mm-hmm. different? No, it's not that it is a little bit different because it's a little higher in the stack as far as okay. um, you know where where FEC lives. The the fact that I'm talking about in SD WAN context lives. Okay, but okay. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit a little bit different. What I wanted to ask okay. is an SD WAN constantly testing all available paths, and then you can make forwarding decisions based on. So you know if. If I'm under these certain parameters, like I need to be under 2% packet loss, you know, under 20 milliseconds latency, no jitter, whatever, send all my stuff here. As soon as that crosses a threshold, boom, go the other way. Like, isn't it kind of constantly measuring, which, which is amazing to me, just it's constantly monitoring the health of your, of your WAN, right? And then making intelligent decisions based on rules you set and, and parameters, right? You got it. You got it. So in the case of Velo, the, the, the one I'm most familiar with so over that MPLS network, it'll build like a tunnel mesh. And in the tunnel packets it's sending, it's actually sending probe packets to measure performance. So while it's tunneling, right. it's measuring. You know, it's measuring, you know, packet loss, jitter, uh, and all that stuff. So if it sees that, oh, shit, the MPLS path's looking uh, not so good, let's, you know, redirect, go over a tunnel over the Internet because that's better. Um, you can also do like 4G backup where it will have that just sitting idle, and then when all the paths are, are too bad or they've gone down, let's take the 4G. But you can say, okay, during that time, because you know you may have metered access on that 4G, you might want to say, look, don't do any, I don't want any streaming services, social media, like all the internet stuff, let's, let's just kill that, just black hole that for now, but make sure the business critical apps can still, still stay up and running so you don't get you know, clobbered with a huge bill. Did people? I, I'm sorry, Lex. Go ahead. I just uh, one of the promises I thought of SD WAN was you can get rid of your expensive MPLS circuits. Did that? So, so I guess I should ask first. Was was that a claim at some point? Right, like it was, but okay. you can't Did that happen? Sometimes, right? Sometimes, you but I've can. Heard, so I, I've yeah. talked to some companies who are like, oh yeah, we were able to scale way back. We didn't get rid of MPLS, but we went way less with what we had before, and because you really can't. You can't get rid of your super expensive dedicated MPLS circuit. Go with two different, you know, c- cable company ISP internet boxes, and SD WAN will, will make it just as good, right? Like that's an overreach, or or, or is it not? Like, do you it need MPLS still? Kind of back to the latency thing. Um, you know, when you're running over the internet, you're 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 at the mercy of the internet. Again, those yeah. it, those those paths that are not as efficient as they could be typically mpls now not always but typically mpls is just a more direct route to get to your your remote sites the internet you know you might be looking great today not so great tomorrow based on yeah. the, the the paths they're using so um you know that's that's one of the challenges we've had you know have had customers switch from mpls networks to 100% internet and you know like they were using citrix ica so they were using like citrix remote desktop and all of a sudden they're like, well, it's a little laggier than it used to be. It's a little slower. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, because there's more latency on these internet circuits. You're, you're saving money, but you are sacrificing performance a little bit. So that's why, 
you know, we do talk customers through it. Like, here's the trade-offs. Like, you might sacrifice latency getting rid of that MPLS network. Or if you're a call center and, you know, you live and die by, like, voice applications, you might want to stick with that MPLS because the late, you know, the lower latency um, is definitely preferred on, you know, voice applications. Yeah, what so, I saw... I'm sorry, Alex, go ahead. So sorry. we're talking a lot about you know, the benefits of it. And there's a lot of things that sound adjacent to or just right up in automation, right? Optimization of those routes. What's the fastest? What's the best? What's the most efficient? Where are those decisions actually being made? What kind of equipment are we talking about? Is there like a centralized structured SD-WAN? How does that work for your typical, I guess, enterprise implementing this? There's usually a, you know, it's usually a controller that, that, you know, you log into to manage all of your policy. Um, so all of those things we talked about as far as application rules and here's how you should do your failover and all of those things, you kind of manage in this controller that pushes that policy out to those devices. Um, but usually the, the, you know, the, the devices are making the call about, okay, which path should I send the traffic out based on the, the policy that I've inherited from the controller? Um, and then there's, you know, every SD wind has a little bit of a different flavor to it. You know, there is no real, it's not as though you're talking about like BGP, which is a well-defined standard standard or OSPF, you know, these things that are standardized, that are spelled out and, you know, well-known, well-understood, everyone kind of knows what they are. Each SD WAN platform's a little bit different in, in the components they use, the problems they solve. Um, so, uh, like I said, we work with VeloCloud a lot, but there's, you know, Cisco's got their own idea on what SD-WAN looks like. Um, you know, there's other, uh, partners that we work with like Big Leaf, um, Big Leaf, they do an SD-WAN, but it's just public side. So they actually tunnel public traffic, public IP addresses across the internet. And the, the way the problem they solve is let's say you want to use multiple circuits at a site and you want your inbound services to have the same IP address, no matter which circuit you're using. Like, it, you know, Big Leaf solves that problem in an interesting way, more so, you know, I think better than a lot of the other platforms out there. So, you know, um, but as far as the, so, the, the components you, you see the most, you see some sort of controller that's push, pushing policy out to, you know, edge devices that are making forwarding decisions based on that policy they receive. So SD-WAN is really a concept, a kind of, architecture more than it is like it's not a protocol right i'm stating this you're for, right you know we didn't really define it exactly yeah yeah it's an amalgamation of technologies that come together to to make you know, this new thing so um cool. you know like i mentioned like forward error correction that's you know a component there's you know, the the tunneling that's a component and depending on the platform you're using they use different tunneling technologies it's not just like your standard ipsec tunnel a lot of them have a proprietary tunneling tech that they're using uh, for their platform. Huh. So Velo, they use something called uh, dynamic multipath optimization or DMPO. And it actually, the tunneling runs over UDP 2426 and it's its own thing. They, they wrote it from the ground huh. up. Um, same with, you know, uh, Cisco, the Viptela, which became Cisco's SD-WAN, they have their own proprietary tunneling. Um, and, and the reason why is that, that measurement piece, measuring the paths and also doing some of the things that fix up things on the fly. You have to you know, bolt that on to, uh, to whatever tunneling tech you're using. Very interesting. Do you need appliances at both ends? Like I, I know that you need appliances in your data center because I've seen that in the SD-WAN solutions I've seen. So if you have an edge client with two routers, MPLS A side, internet backup B side, 
Do they also need, you know, do they have appliances at the edge and, and where are they in the path? Are they, I guess they're behind the routers. They or? do bookend. They're usually bookended. I mean, they're not so the routers, right? It's not all built. It can like be. Here's your, yeah, you oh, okay. you can. Yeah, you can. So a lot of instances, it, it replaces the router and the, at the prem, mm. and they can do BGP. They can do OSPF. They can do all of the, okay. the stuff you you would you would expect from a router. Is that typical? Um, like, here's your new router, and it has SD WAN capabilities, and you're done. Yep. It is t- okay. typical. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, there are some cases where people do like a side by side config where you know. You'll have both, and then the the MPLS router can take over if they like. They'll do VRRP, you know, to a dynamic gateway protocol to fail over to like the MPLS router, for example. If the, the SD WAN goes down, there's a lot of different designs, but usually they replace the router. Um, mm-hmm. And you're that's a great question. Um, Bookending is required because that that path measurement is really done in band in the in the tunneling. At least you know a, a lot of the examples I'm using is Velo. Some of the other platforms might work a little differently than than Velo does. Velo now VMware SD WAN, um, but it it is bookended um, on the internet. They have these things called um, gateways that they talk to. So even you know for uh, talking over the internet, they're they're doing that measurement, checking things out, um, and um, always measuring each each and every path. The internet based paths, the MPLS based paths, the and if you want to, if you have like an all you can eat plan on on like four or five G, you can have them run all day on that too, and use it just as it would any other circuit. Just got a great question in the chat. Any cons of SD WAN? Any downside? What, what's the why the wouldn't why I wouldn't everybody go to SD WAN? Yeah, the the one the one that we see the most is people just uh, assuming we're going to get off MPLS, we're going to save a ton of money, it's going to work the same. Not always. Mm. Especially yeah. if you, you use all internet circuits, that's you know latency can be can be a huge challenge. Um, so a do lot, people most, not know that dedicated private circuits are more reliable and better than the wild west of the internet? Like they think that are these well, executives I, who know nothing about tech? Like we're just going to save money and Q three is going to look great, and then mm-hmm. they're like, oh god, why is everything <laughs> slow? What happened? <laughs> well, I think all, these executives hear from their other executive buddies. Oh, it was great. We saved a ton of money and, yeah. you know, everything worked right. the same. But their use case might not be the same. You know, they mm. might have a different application stack. We're running a call same. center. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now like, we're screwed. Yeah. No, no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, that, that's a, that's a, uh, definitely one of the bigger um, things that we encounter. Um, I had another one, too. There was, there's been a couple of circumstances where... Uh, Oh, security. Well, so let's say you want like integ- integrated security at the edge. That can be a little bit trickier with SD-WAN because most of these, you know, uh, the what I would call pure play uh, SD-WAN platforms, you've got to in- integrate them with something else on the security side. It's not all kind of coupled in. But there are some out there. Um, Meaning there a firewall? Some, Is that what firewall. you're saying? Like, yeah, 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 correct. Yeah. So like an edge. It'd yeah, be in line with the firewall and the firewall do all the inspection and then the SD-WAN will do the intelligent routing or whatever you call it yeah, yeah okay got it you got it well, and usually that firewalls in some sort of like transparent or bridge mode behind the sd-wan appliance but that could get really complicated you know and, and it, it for clients that haven't really had to do that they just kind of stuck a firewall at the edge and that's it you know yeah. uh, called it a day with well, doing those integrations can get get complex and, and walking clients through that sometimes can be challenging what i saw and i just want to put it out there is another what I would think is a benefit of SD-WAN. Um, so I, I, I was at a place and we were rolling out SD-WAN. We meaning people smarter than me. <laughs> I was watching them. 
but um, I was in a lot of the calls and, and planning and post whatever. And there was a lot of, we're going to save money conversation up front, right? Cause we had a ton of MPLS circuits. I know that we paired back on MPLS, but I believe because of the cost of the SD-WAN solution and whatever else might come with it, it kind of became a break even, but because of all the benefits that ST-WAN gave, you know, we were providing clients seamless failover and, uh, you know, uh, load balancing out of the, like you were saying with the smart, like, you know, routing. So, you know, now the clients are like using internet circuits they never used before and using the router, just sitting there dumb and happy. So like it was happy clients, it was better failover for them. It was more uptime for clients. So even though I think the cost was a wash in the end, the benefits SD-WAN brought made it a win. I was like, you know what? This is great. Now we don't have, you know, clients pissed off because our damn internet failover breaks 30% of the time for reasons, right? Like, so yeah, just, just another feather in the cap of, you know, if you think you're going to save a ton of money and go to MPLS, it might be a wash in the end, but the benefits that your users get, you know, in the end from the intelligent, the intelligence of the system, just, you know, from my experience, it just seemed, uh, you know, well worth it. Um, completely agree with you for the customers that would come to us and go, I just want to save a bunch of money and, and go to SD WAN when we talk through it, some of them, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. Like you said, it'd be a break even, maybe even a little bit of cost plus, um, yeah. but almost always performance was better, you know, uptime was better. Um, so they, you know, it was, it was a trade off. It just, it doesn't get much better that. than that. Right. Like more uptime, better performance. I mean, that sounds pretty amazing, That's right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what we've been trying to do for fifty years, and then SD WAN comes along. Like, oh, I can do that! <laughs> like, whoa, cool. Yeah, is that like still said, your bread and butter? I, I, uh, yeah, I know you said I you've, mean, you've kind of pivoted to design and cloud, and I mean, is that is that still keeping you busy? SD WAN, SD WAN still keeps us busy. Now the conversations are all about SASE now, Secure Access Service Edge, which is integration of of a few other technologies, and I won't go into that. We've we've definitely talked talked a lot about SD WAN. Like so did talk, you say SASE? Yeah, I did. I, I said sassy. Sassy. I'm you glad I'm not the only one who likes Lexi, that were you? name. <laughs> no, sassy is great. <laughs> so when I hear SAS, I hear software as a service, right? So is that what sassy means? I, I like to define things very simply because I get lost easily with stuff. Yeah, people pronounce people it SAS, so. don't they? So SAS is software as a service, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. SASE is S A S E Secure Access Services Edge, which uh, that's where I got lost. Okay, so. Yeah. That's is that's that more like <laughs> is that something different? SAS could be a component of it, I guess. You could have you know a, a SAS stack that's part of it, but SASE ends up being really the the securing of the SD WAN network. And usually, it's like you know, you're adding cloud components. You're adding um, usually, I mean, really, they're just firewalls in the cloud. I mean, they, they are secure, they're cloud native firewalls. SD WAN, it's tunnels, <laughs> isn't it secure? I just sounds well, dumb, right? It's probably a dumb thing to say, but like. Are we it's, running it's, IPsec it's, over these tunnels? Like, isn't it already secure? Are they just GRE? What's happening? I think what what happened with SASE is um, work from home happened with COVID. So you have remote workers uh, who need to get access to the network, and you don't necessarily want to buy them all SD WAN boxes, right? So you mm. have to, you know, you you want to build this, uh, you know, perimeter that all users can connect to if they're in the office, whether they're remote, and then the remote users will end up installing some sort of client that can tie them back into the, the collective network. There's also some components like, um, you know, 
zero trust access. So authenticating users at the edge, no matter where they are. Um, so it's just really this, it's, it's another um, Gartner invention that, uh, that, they, that those <laughs> IT executives we talked about earlier. Drives um, everything, man. That's Get a Gartner report and go spend a billion dollars. That must be what that, the people want. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly right. So we're doing more Gartner of that made now. up sassy. It's their fault. We can blame them. It is. And, and you should, they, had, they had a few other options out there. I wish I could recall them because I'm so glad that, that they, they didn't end up calling it uh, some of these other ones. Like, I think they were like Slappy or something like that. It was, it was <laughs> oh, my God. Please. Please can we call something Slappy? I don't care what it is. Please, network engineers. Uh, ITF, get on it. Oh Give me my God. new nickname. Yo, Slappy. <laughs> Thank you for joining the Slappy Laptop. So you just got me thinking with like a, a um, you know, work from home person and, and sassy, and I still don't think I understand sassy. But what, what made me think of this question was, um, do you need two pads, two network pads for SD-WAN? So I'm working from home. I only have one internet connection. In my mind, there is no SD-WAN because there's only one road in and out of my house. Is that accurate? No, it, you, it actually does improve performance of um, with some of those the tech we talked about, like the forward error correction and jitter buffering. So let's mm-hmm. say you're you're you know making phone calls from from home, like you know, maybe you got a handset, maybe you got a soft client on your PC for the for the job you do. Um, That's the thing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> so it, improving performance for things like that by doing the forward error correction, jitter buffering, um, smoothing out the problems. You know, really, I find the most successful new technologies are are not just not just tech that that detects an issue, but it also um, does something about it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, SD WAN fixes up those problems. It, it takes an internet circuit and makes it business class by some of the things that it does, as far as huh. improving um, improving performance on voice. Then the thing they do is like you know TCP optimization. So um, sending negative acknowledgments if it detects that there's been packets dropped in the path. Um, so just those little those little fix ups that they do over over you know crappy DSL or or cable connections that people have at home. Uh, a lot of that uh, you know. That's interesting. It can better. actually improve the user performance even if you only have a cable modem at one house, but you put an SD WAN appliance in there. It'll actually improve your performance and experience, huh? Yep. Yeah, and you're starting to see the, the, the SD, that SD WAN tech make its way into that VPN client. So for those remote users connecting in, having a VPN client that does board error correction, jitter buffering. So you know, even if they're running over that crappy DSL line or cable line, or their Wi-Fi sucks at their house, all of those things can be you know overcome and make that Zoom call better or Teams call or whatever. Uh, you know, make huh. improve performance for that. That and is makes me want SD-WAN. very encouraging. Yeah, I was gonna say. We need to get it for AJ because inter- his internet sucks. Does it? I didn't realize that. Awful. I don't know if it's all of Vermont, but wherever he lives, it might it better. might just be Vermont. You know, the whole state. <laughs> well, I know a guy might be able to help him. Uh, <laughs> I'll send something. Yeah. Well, so we're getting Jason, close to the end here. What's uh, yeah. go, go ahead, Lex? Do you have something? No, I was gonna say. You know, we are getting close to the end. Um, what should we anything? have asked you? What did we forget? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. You guys, I think you guys covered it all. So we quiz you enough on SD WAN. <laughs> you absolutely did. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Thanks for having me.
Man, thanks for thanks coming for on. I really on. enjoyed the conversation. I, I learned a lot. I, I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just, I, I really think it's cool that you, the, the, again, just to circle back to like the USNUA for a second, I think it's so cool that you, you know, yearned for a community or some, you know, uh, I don't know, camaraderie, you know, locally and, uh, and, and created that. And then have been able to see it grow. That's, that's getting that's network really engineers cool. together in person is kind of a big deal. So I'm impressed that you're able to do that, like 13 plus chapters much. So well, he's, he's giving out free beer, Lex. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Helps. All right. Well, is it, <laughs> that the is beer strategic. Free? That all is right. strategic. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's not that complicated. Get them drunk and they'll come. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, awesome. they, they, it's it's. It's been awesome. It, it's um, it's. I never, we never expected to get this big when we started Onug, but when during COVID we kind of retooled it. And, well, we had all the time to um, really look at it and see if we could do something bigger. Um, so I would encourage everyone to go take a look for their local chapter. Um, you know, I'm I'm actually Jay Ginnard at usnua.com. If you have any questions for for me or anyone uh, on the team. Uh, if you want to start your own chapter, we're looking for folks to to start them all across all 50 states. So reach out to us if you're interested. So I was thinking if I'm ever in a town with one, you know, like if I'm traveling for work or anything, I'm yeah. going to look and see if there's a chapter. And if I, you know, I'd love to drop in and, and meet some folks. We had a meet up last year in Asheville, you know, just through the show. And it was one of the most satisfying experiences I've had in my career of just, you know, I mean, it was post COVID. So like, I was thrilled to be anywhere doing anything, but um, it was just so nice to be with people that have done the job or were doing the job and could commiserate. And, you know, we've, we've all been all in the that tax stories together. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it, so, so I really love that. And I'm, I'm hoping I can drop in on a, um, on a USNUA uh, meeting. So is it USNUA? Uh, where can we take a look again? USNUA.com. Got website. it. Yep. Check it out. So, you know, Feel free to sign up for updates. Uh-oh. Uh, we don't. We do not see, sell your information. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he's back." <laughs> so we lost Uh-oh. you for a second. Yeah, we lost Andy. He better not be running SD way. Can you it. hear us, Jason? I can hear you. All right, Jason. Where can people find you out on the internet?s uh, Bits and flight on Twitter. Um, bits and flight uh, at mstdn.social on Mastodon. Um, LinkedIn, another good place to find me and, um, check out usnua.com and hopefully, um, you can see some, some friendly faces at, uh, at the next, uh, Onug event. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Jason. Um, I'll give you a couple of our links here. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash art of net If you would like to support the show in that way, we are on the Twitters at art of net Lex, are we on Mastodon somewhere? We are. We are on Mastodon, Art of NetEng at infosec.exchange. Cool. Uh, Instagram, Art of NetEng, Facebook, Art of NetEng, LinkedIn, Art of NetEng, uh, our website, artofnetworkengineering.com. We have some great um, blogs that have been coming out uh, recently. Tim's been killing it with the CompTIA cloud certification that he, that he got and a lot of great information there. Um, and we have a merch store, artofnetengcom forward slash store. And as always, you can, uh, if you're looking for a community, some support, um, we are on Discord at artofnetengine.com forward slash IAATJ. That stands for It's All About the Journey. We have about 5,400 members in there. Study groups, resume reviews, just how you doing. Um, it's a great community if you're uh, you know, looking to connect with folks. 
Um, as always, thanks for listening. Lex, always great to see you. And we will see you next time on the Art of Network Engineering. Hey, y'all. This is Lexi. If you vibe with what you heard us talking about today, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcatcher. Also, go ahead and hit that bell icon to make sure you're notified of all our future episodes right when they come out. If you want to hear what we're talking about when we're not on the podcast, you can totally follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Art of NetEng. That's Art of N-E-T-E-N-G. You can also find a bunch more info about us and the podcast at artofnetworkengineering.com. Thanks for listening.